Hey everyone, welcome to Rolling Hills Online. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you're joining us today. In addition to our online campus, we have two physical locations in Franklin and Nolensville. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you in person. If this is your first time joining us, we would like to invite you to check out our new here page at rollinghillscommunity.org. Here, you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and what to expect when worshiping with us. If you've been with us before and want to find out how to get involved, please visit our Next Steps page. This is where you can learn more about baptism, partnership, missions, community groups, and more. If you're joining us live, we encourage you to jump into our chat. This is a great way to connect with our online community and further discuss today's message. In addition to the chat feature, you will find today's sermon notes and a link to the Bible so that you can follow along. Have something that you would like for us to pray with you about? Click the prayer request link at the bottom of the page. We would be honored to join you in prayer this week. If you feel called to partner with us financially, you can give online through the giving page of our website. Your support allows us to continue this opportunity to share the message of Christ around the world. So thank you. Again, welcome to Rolling Hills. We hope that you feel at home. Good morning, church. Good morning and Merry Christmas. I love singing these Christmas carols. It's just, I love Christmas. I love this time of year and it's so special. It's just awesome to see God moving among us and already preparing our hearts as we worship Him. We're in a great series called Share the Gift. And we started the series before Thanksgiving. We talked about share the gift of thanks. And then we said share the gift of giving. And then last week, we kind of turned the corner. We talked about share the gift of hope. And so if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. And today we're talking about this. Share the gift of peace, of peace, peace. Isn't that what our world needs right now today is peace? I mean, it seems like every time you, you pull up something online, it's saying there's something going on in, in the world and we need peace. And whether it's, you know, ISIS or terrorism wars or rumors of wars, uh, recently we were in Israel and we stood there and, and I was thinking about this. We were standing on the Syrian border and thinking about the war in Syria, thinking about Hezbollah up in the north, thinking about Hamas in the south, and, and then you've got the West Bank and Palestinians and Jews, and I was going, wow, could there ever be peace here? Peace in the Middle East. Our world needs peace. But doesn't our country also need peace? And we've come through the most divisive political election of all time, it seems like, and, and there's still all these rumors and all these demonstrations, and you're just kind of going, man, we need peace. We need peace in our country and we need peace as a nation and as a people. But individually, don't we need peace? Uh, you know, we're the most over-medicated society in history. And we are. And there's so much medication out there. Why? Because people want peace. And so we have spas and tranquility rooms and somehow, some way that you can achieve peace in your life. A couple years ago, I made a huge mistake. I have to admit it but I went shopping on Christmas Eve, okay? I, I, I know I'm a guy, and so as a guy, you know, I kind of had a few things left to get in my Christmas list, and, and I thought, well, it's no problem. I can just zip into the mall, get a couple of things, and get out. 
Well, was I wrong, right? Because you get to the mall and it's like packed out. I couldn't find a parking spot. Then I get inside and it's like a running back trying to find a hole. It was just so packed with a crowd. And I'm looking in different stores or opening, closing different times. And by the time I left the mall, I did not have peace. I got to tell you. And then we had Christmas Eve services and I was like, yeah, peace. You know, and I'm like, I was fried. I mean, I was just like, oh my goodness, I was worn out. And I just wanted peace. But it seems like this time of year is the hardest thing to find is peace because we already add to our overscheduled, overcrowded lives. We've got to buy gifts for everybody we know. We've got to write them a card. We've got to, you know, wrap presents. And we've got to have office parties. And we've got to have company come in. And we've got food to make and cookies to bake. And we're just like, I want peace. But this season is not that much different than it was 2,000 years ago. And that first Noel, there was... A lot of tension in the world at that time. The Romans ruled over Palestine. The Jews, when they would show up to worship at the temple, there was Roman guards, and a Roman guard could tap a Jew on the shoulder and say, hey, carry my pack for a mile, and you had to do it. I mean, so the Jews hated the Romans. The Romans hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. I mean, it was just like all of this tension in the world at that time. But God had told his people, I'm going to bring the Messiah And here's what God said 700 years before Jesus was born. He made this promise in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said this, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so the people were waiting, they were like, we want that peace. We want that peace. And in the middle of a world of chaos, Jesus came. And Jesus came to bring peace. But it was way different than what the people thought back then. It was something so much bigger, something so much greater. It was a peace for eternity and a peace that many people missed and that many people still miss today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. We're walking through Luke chapter 1 and 2 in our Christmas series, and it is so good. Oh, it's amazing. And, and, and you know, Luke and Matthew are the two Gospels that record the birth narrative, right? And Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about Jesus, but Mark kind of fast forwards to when Jesus is 30 and his earthly ministry and all the miracles he performed and his teachings. And, and John just simply sums up this by saying about the birth. He says, hey, the Old Testament, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what John says. But it's Matthew and Luke that go back to when Jesus is born. And Luke starts off in Luke chapter one and and Luke says, hey, hey, I want to tell you what really happened. I want to tell you what was going on. He's writing to a guy, Theophilus, who was probably a Roman official who was investigating Christianity. And so Luke is a physician, a doctor. He interviews all these eyewitnesses and he goes back to, and he says, here's what happened. Zechariah and Elizabeth, and, and they had a baby, and the angel Gabriel came and said, name him John, because he would be John the Baptist, the, the forerunner to the Messiah, just like it was prophesied, God is here. And then the angel Gabriel shows up again, and look who he comes to this time, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now I gotta stop right there just for a second because the name Jesus is Yeshua. And Yeshua literally means salvation. And so the angel comes and says, hey, Mary, you're gonna have a son. I want you to name him Salvation. You know, it's like Jesus to walk around, hi, I'm salvation. I'm salvation. I mean, like how much more clear can it be, right? Uh, he's going to have the name Jesus. And he will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end Notice that. It's not just going to be a, a king who's on a throne for a little while and then some other king comes along. No, this is going to be an eternal king. This is the Messiah. Well, how would this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Wow. So what do we learn about peace from Mary? <laughs> what do we learn about peace from Mary? Mary was an amazing woman, right? A woman that God used in an incredible way. And Mary was the only person who was at Jesus' birth and at the crucifixion. Mary saw Jesus come into the world as her son, but leave the world as her savior. Do you know that there's over 2 billion Hail Marys that are said every day? There are more little girls named after Mary than any other historical figure. Mary. Now here's the thing with Mary though. Some people make Mary like they put her on a pedestal, right? They kind of magnify Mary because they don't know exactly what the Bible says. The Bible never says that Mary was sinless. Mary was an ordinary person. She was like you, she was like me. She was an ordinary person. It doesn't say that Mary was sinless. When we were in Israel, uh, we saw a church that was built to Mary's mother. We're like, Mary's mother, did I miss that? I mean, I didn't see that in here, but, but you can think about this. If people believe that Mary was sinless, then her mom had to be sinless, right? And then I guess her mom had to be sinless. And her mom, so, I mean, there'd be lots of churches built all over, but, but see, Mary wasn't sinless. She was a remarkable woman, but she wasn't sinless. And some people spend a lot of time praying to Mary and, and worshiping Mary. But Jesus didn't say, hey, Mary and I, we are the way and the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but through us. No, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but through me. So Mary was a remarkable woman, but, but we don't worship Mary. That's, that's not the call. You know, Mary is not the one who saves us. But some people also, they minimize Mary. Maybe a reaction to everybody who kind of magnifies Mary. They, they minimize, they make Mary just like a little figurine in a nativity set or a, a long pass at the end of a football game. You know, that's kind of their extent of knowing about Mary. But Mary is somebody we need to know about because God used her in an incredible way and, and she was somebody that brought peace into this world. Now, here's the thing. As you read this, Luke says twice that Mary was a virgin. Luke, being a doctor, is very precise and this is something that's significant. The virgin birth is significant. Why? 
Because it says in Leviticus that a woman is unclean when she gives birth to a child because she's bringing a sinner into the world. Uh, Psalm 51, David says this. He says, I was sinful when, you know, my mom conceived me, right? So I was sinful at birth. See, original sin is passed down from Adam. So sin, sin, sin. So all of us are sinners. Now, that's not a newsflash to any of us. We all know that. We all know the mistakes we've made in our lives. But Jesus was sinless, right? So Jesus, here we see this incredible picture, the triune God. Here we see this picture of God sending his son, the Holy Spirit coming, the Holy Spirit, God bringing life in Jesus, the sinless one, Jesus, fully God, but born of a woman, fully man. Fully God, fully man. Now that's significant, why? Because in order to pay the price for sins, it took a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus lived 33 sinless years. He was sinless when he went to the cross. Therefore, when he hung on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for you and me, substitutionary atonement, right? He took our place. We sinned. We messed up. Jesus paid the price for us. Praise be to God. And Jesus, being God, conquered death, making a way for you and I to have eternal life in him. And we see that at the birth narrative. Now, some people get hung up on the virgin birth, like, wow, that was like a huge miracle. To me, it's kind of like a level three miracle, you know? I mean, mean, every time I see a baby being born, I'm like, okay, God is present. This This is just not an accident. This is significant. This is powerful. And I can see that easily to God, Holy Spirit, you know, Mary. I mean, I, that makes sense to me. The level 10 miracle to me is that God would send his one son for me. That is a level 10 miracle. That God would leave the throne room of heaven to come down to us, to redeem and to restore us. Praise be to God. And may we never lose the incredible grace and the power of God's grace and redemption for us that we see at Christmas. Wow, thank you, Father. And so God used Mary. God used Mary in a powerful way. So what do we learn about peace? Well, here's a couple of things I think we learned. Number one is this, peace comes when you know God is with you. Peace comes when you know God is with you. So the angel comes to Mary and the angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored, and says, hey, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. See, I think there's a defining moment for every person who's ever lived. And that's when we realize that God has come to us. Sovereign God, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our total depravity, God comes to meet us, redeem us, and restore us. And God met Mary right here. And Mary had a decision to make. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to reorder my life around Him? Or am I going to say no? I often wonder, were there other people that God called who said no? But for Mary to follow God, she had to face some fears. She had the fear of change. I mean, Mary already had her life planned out, right? She's engaged to Joe. You know, they probably are going to have a big wedding. They've probably sent out the invitations already. They're going to have a house with a white picket fence. I mean, they've got the whole thing going on. And now all of a sudden, God's going, I've got different plans for you, Mary. 
Mary also had this fear of criticism. What are people going to think? Are they really going to believe this? She had this feeling of inadequacy. I mean, really? God would choose me? And why did God choose her? I mean, why did, why did God choose Mary? I mean, was it because she was highly educated? So when God sent his son, that, that there would be somebody who could teach him the ways of the world? No, she was a, probably had no education. I mean, back then, women didn't have education. It was the way it was. It was because of she was like really, you know, loaded. I mean, socioeconomically, she had a lot of money. She could take care of God's son. No, she was a peasant girl. She didn't have much. Uh, was, it because, was it because she was so mature and she could teach Jesus the ways of the world? Uh, no, she's probably about 14 or 15 years old. But God came to her and God invited her to be a part of his greater story, just like God has come to each of us. And many times when God comes to us, we think about all the things that disqualify us, right? Well, I can't do that. Or remember, I did that. Or, you know, I, I, and we just, disqual- instead of saying, okay, God, I want a relationship with you. A lot of people make it about religion. You know why? Here's why. Because religion is safe. I mean, religion's safe. It's easy. I could show up for church when I want to. If I'm not feeling good, I don't have to go. You know, I mean, if it's raining or whatever, you know, I, I can, you know, hey, I can light a candle. I can say a Hail Mary. I can do something. But it's safe. It's easy. But God's not interested in religion. You know what God's interested in? A relationship. He's interested in a relationship. A relationship with you. Here's what Romans chapter 5 says. I love Romans Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have, what is that? Peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You know what the Bible says? It says peace starts when you get this relationship right. Because when you and I understand that we are a sinner, holy God, sinful man, we are at war against God. There is this tension that we feel. And so often we're out trying to fix all of our other relationships when it's this relationship of yielding our life as God draws us to himself and we place our faith in him. I saw a press conference this week, a Vanderbilt basketball player. And it was amazing because he was talking at the press conference. He said, yeah. He said, I had a two and a half hour meeting with my coach and he said, I committed my life to God. And he goes, I'm different. And I just listened to that. I was like, wow, he's saying this at a press conference and his teammate's sitting right next to him and his teammate goes, yeah, he's different. He is. And I was like, awesome, you know. <laughs> and the announcer guy or the porter's trying to ask questions about the game and he's like talking about his relationship with the Lord. And I'm going, yeah, because God is bigger than basketball. You know, and God is bigger than everything we face and everything we do. But for any of us, we try to do everything else over here. When this is the relationship where it all starts and it all continues. And if you want to have peace, this is it. Here's the second thing we learn from Mary is this. Peace doesn't mean the absence. It doesn't mean the absence of problems or questions. When the angel told her this, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You know, greatly troubled in the Greek literally is translated terrified. She was terrified. 
It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, here's an angel. She was terrified. Sometimes we think when we commit our life to God that that, that means we're not going to have any problems anymore. I mean, everything's going to go away. <laughs> everything's going to be fine. It's, it doesn't work that way. God is with us, though, in the midst of the problems. God is with us, though, in the midst of challenges. God promises to be here. But there's still problems that we face. But yet it's in those times that we grow. It's in those times that we flourish. It's in those times that we become what God wants us to be. There's a great book called uh, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And a lot of people think, well, you know, salvation happens in an instant, but then I can kind of do my own thing and I'll see you, God, in heaven. And God's going, no, I want to grow you. I want to conform you to the image of my son. And that's discipleship. And for Mary, this started a journey with her. And there was going to be a cost. I mean, make no mistake about it. There was going to be a cost. She was going to have to call Joe and say, hey, Joe, can you meet me at Starbucks? We got to talk. I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant, you know. <laughs> she didn't know what Joe was going to say. I mean, she didn't know if Joe was going to go, right, right, the Son of God, right, okay, you know, I'm going to believe that. I mean, she didn't know. She could have lost Joe. She didn't know what was going to happen. There was cost. Also, back in this day, if you're a woman and you were found to be pregnant and you weren't married, you could be stoned to death. She's putting her life on the line to follow God. There was a cost. Cost her reputation. Cost her reputation. It cost her comfort. 14 or 15 years old, now you're going to be nine months pregnant. Some of you women who've been pregnant, you, you know, not much comfort. There wasn't body pillows back then. You know, I mean, it's going to cost her some comfort right there. Then cost her her dreams. I mean, she kind of had her whole life laid out, right? She's going to marry Joe, have the big wedding, the house with the white picket fence. And God comes to her and says, I got other plans. I, do you think Mary would have traded her old plans for God's plans? You think Mary would have said, well, no, God, I want to do this. See, a lot of people do. A lot of people go, well, no, God, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And God's going, are you kidding me? Look what I'm going to do through you. Just trust me. Just follow me. And I want to tell you, nothing compares to following God. Nothing does. Not travel, not success, not money, not fully funding your 401k. I don't care. Nothing compares with that. God is with you, and God is calling you, and God wants to use you. But there is a cost. There is a cost. And maybe it means that you might be single longer than you thought. Maybe it means you might find yourself sleeping in a hammock on a boat going down a river, the Amazon. Maybe it means you might find yourself sleeping in an orphanage because you're doing missions in Moldova. Maybe it means that you find yourself being generous and giving when in the past you would have thought it was all about you. Maybe it means to pray with your spouse or to pray with your family. Maybe it means teaching your kids that there is more to life than just getting. There is a cost. But it's in that cost that you and I begin to grow. It's in those problems that you and I begin to become more and more like Christ. Peace doesn't mean the absence of problems. We have to understand that. You can be walking with God and still go through trouble and still go through hardship. And that's exactly what Jesus told his disciples in John 16. In John 16, Jesus said to his disciples, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Notice that. In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. 
Not maybe sometimes, you will. There's gonna be hardships, there's gonna be difficulties. We live in a fallen world. When Christ comes back, he'll redeem and make all things new. But until then, there will be trouble. But take heart, exclamation point. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, listen, I'm greater. I'm greater. You're gonna have problems. You may even have questions. What did Mary say when the angel told her this? Mary said, how can this be? Mary asked, since I'm a virgin, I've got questions. How are you going to do this? And God's like, you may have questions, but trust me. Trust me. You hold on to me. You know, I'm the dad. I've got three little girls, and, and, and I love them. And uh, Grace is 12, and Mabry is 10, and Kate's 7. Now, my girls do not like storms, okay? I mean, they just, they, when it storms, when it gets bad, uh, they get scared. And when thunder, lightning, or there's a tornado watch or warning, you know, I mean, they're running to the bathroom, they're closing the door. You know, they, they get scared in storms. And sometimes at night when it's thundering or lightning really bad, Lisa and I will be in bed and we'll hear the pitter-patter of their feet come running down the hall. And they'll come down to us and, and so I'll get out of bed and I'll come over. And, and if it's a bad storm, you know, they're just all in our room or all by us. And then here's what Kate, our seven-year-old, does. She just does this. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't do anything. She's just like, and I know, right? What do I do? I just, I just reach down, I pick her up, and I hold her right here. And she buries her little head right here in my neck. You know, it just like fits perfectly. I mean, it's just like, and she's just right there. And I hold her tight, and she puts her arms around my neck, and she's just squeezing, and she's holding me. Now, does it stop raining outside? Does it mean that, you know, hey, the, the, the storms have gone away? No. But I want to tell you this, Kate's not scared anymore. She just holds on. You know why? Because she's got her daddy. She's got her daddy. And I think Mary came to this point just going, I don't understand how this is going to go down. I don't really make sense to me, but I know this. I'm going to trust you, God. And I'm going to hold on to you, God. And you're going to be enough for me, God. Here's the third point is this. Peace comes when you stay in the center of God's will. Peace comes when you stay in the center of God's will. The angel told Mary, right? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The consuming fire, God's presence will be with you. Mary. See, here's how a lot of us try to achieve peace. We try to fix the external. We try to spend our time trying to fix everything around us, trying to, try to fix all of our circumstances around us. And here's, let me just show you. What do we do? We go like this. We go, when I get to Friday, if I can just make it to Friday, whew, then I'm going to have peace, right? I'm gonna have, when I get all of my shopping done, huh, I'm going to have peace. When all of my company is gone, I'm going to have peace. Whenever I get married or remarried, then I'm going to have peace. Whenever I fully fund my 401k, you know, then I'm going to have peace. Whenever I have kids, then I'm... <laughs> Good luck with that one, you know. So. But that's the way we think, isn't it? Isn't that the way we think all the time? I and mean, we spend our lives doing that. And we spend our lives, and what happens is we miss the present. 
because we're so fast forward on fixing the future. And we think if I can do that, if I can manipulate that, if I can control that, then I will have peace. But what did Jesus do? It was so much bigger. He said, I want you to have peace here. I want you to have peace regardless of what's going on around you. I want you to experience that kind of peace from just being in the center of my will. And that's why Mary said, may it be to me as you've said, I am the Lord's servant. I wanna be in the center of your will, God. More than I want anything else fixed, I wanna be in the center of your will. Colossians chapter three, verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, that's the church, as members of one body, you were called to what? Peace. And then I love this little tagline, and be thankful. <laughs> it's like Paul's going, hey, and be thankful for all those times, you know, you, you ran up to your daddy and you just said, hold me. <laughs> Be thankful for all those times that God just took care of you and held you and, and walked with you through some really difficult, challenging times. Let the peace of Christ rule in here. Do you have peace? Do you spend more time on this relationship or trying to fix everything else around you? Philippians chapter four, one of my favorite verses says, do not be anxious about anything. Are you anxious today? Maybe you're anxious. I love that Gabriel said to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. Maybe today you don't need to hear anything else but this, do not be afraid in your name. Do not be afraid, Jeff. Do not be afraid. Jessica, do not be afraid, Steve. Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And then what does it say? Notice that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What an incredible promise. And when people come to you and say, how can you be a person of peace? How can you have peace when everything at work seems to be going crazy? How can you have peace in the middle of this season that's so busy? How can you have peace? And you go, I can't, but God can. And it's a peace that transcends all understanding. It's a peace that God is with me and that God is for me and that God loves me. And God's inviting me to follow him and trust him. And God's doing something bigger than I can see. And I'm just going to trust him today. And I'm going to live in the peace in which he's called me to live. I want to live in that peace. You know, Luke 137, the angel says what? For nothing is impossible with God. And maybe you're here today and you think, it's impossible for me to have peace. I mean, you don't know what's going on in my marriage. You don't know what's going on in my work. You don't know where I am financially. It is impossible for me to have peace. And I would say to you, just what Gabriel said, for nothing is impossible with God. For nothing 
is impossible with God. Do you think something's impossible today? You think it's impossible for God to redeem your marriage? You think it's impossible for God to restore your children? You think it's impossible for God to do a miracle in your own heart and life? It's not. He is God. He is God. And he brought you here today to meet with you just like he met with Mary back then. He wants to meet with each one of us and invite us into a relationship of trust and of peace. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I really don't. I don't know what you're facing in life. But I know this, that peace starts with your relationship with God. Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but, but you know God has been drawing you to himself. You know there's something more happening. And maybe today, right where you sit, you just say, God, I want you in my life. God, forgive me my sins. Redeem me, God. God, I trust you. And maybe for you, maybe today, if you're honest, you could say, man, I haven't been at peace. And when I'm not at peace, I mean, that spills over into my marriage or my friendships or even with my kids and even in my work. But it's really me. It's really my heart that's been troubled. And today, would you just pray, God, come in, bring your peace. Calm my soul, calm my spirit. I don't want to be anxious, God, today. I don't want to be afraid. I want peace. Maybe for you today, there's something that seems impossible. (laughs) Would you just bring it to the Lord? And would you claim that promise in Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. I'm gonna invite Greg and Shelly to come out in just a second. We're gonna have a time of response and I'm gonna pray over you. There'll be some people that are in the back and on the sides of the room. If you want somebody to pray with you or pray for you, that's why we're here. Listen, don't just go out of this room and go right back into the hustle and bustle and miss the God who came to bring peace. That first Noel, that first Christmas changed everything. And God has called peace to come into your heart and your life. And God has called us then to be the ones to share the gift of peace. And just as Mary brought peace into her marriage with Joe and into her home and into her family, may we be people who bring Christ this Christmas into our marriages, into our friendships, into our home, into our workplaces. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. So Father, here we are, your disciples. And 2,000 years later, Father, we still long for peace. But God, I pray today that you would help us see it's not about us trying to fix everything around us, it's about us resting in you and centering our lives in you. So come today, Jesus, and fill us with the peace that passes understanding. Guard our hearts and our minds today 
Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the gift of your son who's changed everything. Thank you for appearing to people like Mary and to shepherds and to us. Everyday ordinary people just longing to see a savior and longing to experience peace. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we worship. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service, and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ, and we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.